Hello, everybody, and welcome to Care Talk. Since this is our first show, please forgive us if there's any issues. Uh, and also, we will be answering your questions today. But if we don't have a chance to answer your question, we hopefully will get to it next week. Uh, so please be patient with us uh, as we work through our very first show. So let me start by talking a little bit about health insurance in America and how it works or doesn't work. First graphic. So this graphic is a little old, uh, but it reflects how our healthcare system is broken up into multiple different buckets. Uh, many people get their uh, health insurance through their employer, but there's also a big chunk of Americans that get their insurance through Medicare or Medicaid uh, or the Affordable Care Act or don't have health insurance at all. So today we're going to be answering questions about uh, Medicare and the Affordable Care Act and also uh, talking to people that don't have insurance and covering issues that anybody might have with their health insurance and paying for health costs. Uh, but in the future, we would love to take uh, more questions about Medicaid and CHIP. Uh, so if you have those questions, we won't get them to them today, but we will hopefully get to them uh, next week and in the future, because we're going to be running these shows on Mondays right through open enrollment, which ends January 15th uh, for the ACA. Uh, next graphic. So talking about people that don't have health insurance, uh, it, it isn't any one type of situation because of the nearly 30 million Americans that don't have insurance, many are eligible for free plans through the ACA or through Medicaid. Uh, but there's also a lot of people that uh, are not eligible for financial assistance because maybe they're an undocumented immigrant or they uh, make too much money to qualify for any of the plans. Uh, anyways, this just shows that uh, uninsured people uh, don't match any one particular description. It's uh, multiple people with multiple different issues. And we'll be covering some of those today. So with that having been said, it's my pleasure to introduce our panel today to answer your questions. Uh, with me is Diane Archer from Just Care USA and Social Security Works and Zoid Finch from Health Sherpa. So our first question is, how do I find out if I'm eligible for a cheap or free health insurance plan through the Affordable Care Act? Right. Um, so at i like Laura said, I work at Health Sherpa, and we specialize in Affordable Care Act plans. Um, so finding out if you are eligible for cheap or free um, Affordable Care Act insurance is actually pretty easy. Um, it might seem really intimidating. Um, and if you Google it, you will find a lot of different websites out there. Some of them will be selling products that aren't ACA compliant along with ACA compliant plans. Um, so it is important to do your research. Um, Health Sherpa, we are a trusted web broker. We only sell ACA plans. Um, and then obviously you can go to healthcare.gov as well. Um, and in both places, you're able to run a quote to get kind of a, a cursory see if you are eligible. Um, and the best way always to do it is to just go ahead and submit an application um, I always like to tell consumers that submitting an application is not a promise that you're enrolling in this 
health insurance or that you are going to, it is a way to see what you're eligible for. And even if you have not qualified in the past, um, because of the American Rescue Plan, dramatically expanding subsidies, um, including for those who previously made too much money to get subsidies, it is definitely worth it to go ahead and check again. Um, at HealthSherpa, we've helped one and a half million people apply since April, since that act was passed, and most are paying less than $10 a month for their health. Great. And for Diane, do I have to register for Medicare when I turn 65? And what happens if I don't? Great question. And it's complicated, the answer, but I'll break it down into a couple of pieces. Um, and just for background, I am the founder and past president of the Medicare Rights Center. So I've been working um, with people with Medicare for, a, for quite some time. Um, and there are always rules and exceptions to rules. But the way it works is as you turn 65, um, if you are currently still working or if you are covered under a spouse's plan and that person is, your spouse is still working. Um, if the employer employs 20 or more people, your employer coverage will continue when you're 65 as your primary coverage. And you do not need to sign up for Medicare. If you are working um, for a company with fewer than 20 people, or you're covered by your partner who is working for a company with fewer than 20, then you must sign up for Medicare or face a penalty for late enrollment at the age of 65. I can go on. And I, and I, <laughs> let me just add one more thing, Laura, which is it never hurts to call social security when you're turning 65 to let them know that you're turning 65 and to ask um, them or to tell them that, you know, you are, you're becoming eligible for Medicare, but you're working for a company with 20. Great option. And Zoid, how do I sign up for an ACA plan? Yeah, so you can fill out an application on healthcare.gov or on a, a website such as Health Sherpa, um, or you can call their support line if you would prefer to speak with someone, do it over the phone. Um, we also have a support line staffed by consumer advocates who are licensed insurance agents. However, they don't make any sort of commission and they're solely there to help consumers find the best plan for them. Um, you can also go with an agent or a broker. They have to have a state insurance license and they also have to have a separate certification to sell plans through the Affordable Care Act. Um, they do generally work on commission, and so it is always a good idea to ask them a lot of questions about their experience with ACA plans and, um, you know, really make sure that they are going to help you find the best plan for you. Um, but they are, you know, experts in all things health insurance, um, so that is a great resource as well. And there are also assisters and navigators um, that are state or federally funded to provide unbiased support. Um, they typically can't recommend plans to you, but they can help you with applying. Um, and again, there are web brokers like Health Sherpa. Um, we have to go through a, a whole process of being audited and signing an agreement with uh, CMS, with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And that allows us um, to help folks apply um, for Affordable Care Act plans. Um, though, again, like I said earlier, there will be some web brokers that are selling non-ACA plans. So always um, look for that and be very careful about um, what you're applying for. And I have insurance through the ACA. I've worked with navigators and again, they were able to uh, help me through a lot of the issues, but they were not able to recommend specific plans. And I've also worked with brokers that have recommended the best plan for my personal situation.
Uh, so if you get something in the mail or if you get a phone call, how do you know that you're talking to a reputable uh, insurance agent? And how can you get help in figuring out the best plan for your family? Uh, what are the things that you should be looking for or things you should be worried about? Zoid? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll start with red flags because those are kind of easy. Um, you know, if you are getting a call or text or something in the mail promising you that you will for sure get a plan for X amount of money, um, you should at the very least treat that with a grain of salt um, because, you know, there are a lot of different factors that go into your eligibility for Affordable Care Act plans and your eligibility for the subsidies that cover um, part of the premiums. Um, and, you know, there isn't really a way that someone would know for sure without speaking to you directly and asking you a lot of questions about your situation. Um, and one thing, you know, when you're vetting agents and brokers, I always recommend to ask them a lot of questions. And if you have concerns about health insurance and your health care, um, they should be reassuring you, but not dismissing your problems. It's kind of another red flag if they're like, oh, that won't be a problem or, you know, getting that medication covered definitely won't be a problem. Like, you know, ask them again. They should be, you know, looking in the drug formulary with you, look, going over the plan details with you. And it's a really good sign if you ask a question and they say, you know, I'm not sure how much that service would cost or if that provider is in the network but I will go check or we'll go check together. Um, it's a really good sign just in general, if someone is willing to admit that they don't have all the knowledge and are going to look into it. Mm -hmm. And I know I've seen uh, junk mail from people promising insurance plans. And so definitely don't go with uh, a spam email. And Diane, did you have something to add? Yeah, I have a lot to add here. Um, certainly for people with Medicare, they're bombarded with information um, and a lot of, what looks like official information is actually marketing propaganda and um, should not be taken um, too seriously. It needs uh, the kind of investigation that Zoid was uh, just talking about. Um, I What I suggest to people is with Medicare, there are, um, there are two types of Medicare. There's the public Medicare, the government administered program that gives you freedom to choose the doctors and hospitals you want to see. Um, and, um, and then there's private um, insurance administered Medicare, which narrows your access to doc. And people first have to make that choice. And the problem with the public insurance, the traditional Medicare model, is that there's no out-of-pocket limit. And so in order to actually sleep well at night with that coverage, you need to also buy supplemental coverage, which fills the holes, which pays the coinsurance. If you can afford that, and it can cost as much as $1,500, $2,000 a year, um, basically you'll have almost no out-of-pocket costs. You'll be able to go to the doctor or whatever hospitals you want. You're going to be able to have the insurance that you want. It's, I would argue, one size fits all. Whatever doctors you want to see, hospitals you want to see, you can see anywhere in the country. And you, can, you don't have to deal with pre-authorizations or any of that. No, no, no administrative hurdles, at least very few. With the Medicare Advantage plans, the privately administered plans, it's a whole other, it's a can of worms, really. And I think a lot of people are opting for it because it does, these plans do have an out-of-pocket cap. And so one thing I always recommend that people think about when they're picking a plan, be it on Medicare or, or um, you know, for working people, is 
what are my maximum out-of-pocket costs? Because the real issue here um, for a lot of people is, you know, if you get seriously ill and um, have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands or thousands of dollars of bills, you want to know what your maximum out-of-pocket um, costs will be if you stay in network. Um, there's almost no way to know what your costs will be um, for individual services. You go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, they do a bunch of different things. You have no control over what they do. It's really completely unfair, right? They're picking and choosing. You're not. And then you're getting a bill that usually shocks the hell. And um, you just want to know what your maximum will be for the year. Now with Medicare Advantage, it can be quite high. It can be as high as $7,550 a year in, in this year. Um, so, um, you, if possible, you want to pick one of the Medicare Advantage plans with a lower out-of-pocket cost to limit your liability. But if you do get sick, what you'll find is that the public Medicare, which requires you to have supplemental coverage, um, actually ends up costing you less because it's just, it, you know, it's, a, it's, you're, supplemental coverage tends to be a lot less than the out-of-pocket costs that you can accumulate in Medicare Advantage. So that's a very long-winded answer, but it's a beginning to the answer. Obviously, also, as, as, as we were saying, you know, what if you're going for Medicare Advantage and restricted access to care, you want to know that you can see the doctors you want to see and, you know, and use the hospitals you want to use, and that if you're visiting family in other parts of the country, what's going to happen? Are you going to be able to get care if you move in with a with a sister or a child, or you're going to have to go back and live at home alone. Those kinds of questions are really important. Mm -hmm. And Diane, what can I do if my insurance company refuses to pay for services that my doctor says I need? So this is a big issue. I think this is a big issue in ACA plans. It's a big issue in employer plans. It's a big issue in Medicare plans. Um, often um, insurers make more money when they don't pay for your care. Um, and so it's, um, they often have um, a financial incentive not to pay for your care. And so we've seen um, for Affordable Care Act plans that some of them have denial rates as high as 45%. But what we don't know, and this is unconscionable in my view, it's a travesty, is which ones have the 45% denial rates. And the insurance brokers don't know either. Um, nobody knows. And so it's kind of a game of Russian roulette when you're picking, um, unfortunately, for that reason. But um, if you are denied, um, you have the right to appeal. And believe it or not, it's easier than you might, uh, might at first believe. The key is to have a letter from your doctor explaining why the procedure that's being denied is, in fact, medically reasonable and necessary. And that can, um, that can be hard to, to get, but you can usually get that. And for people with Medicare, there are state health insurance assistance programs in every state, which provide free um, assistance to people who are trying to navigate Medicare. And those uh, navigators can help you for free to um, appeal a denial. But usually all it requires is that letter from your doctor explaining why the care is necessary, sent to your insurer and saying, please review. And based on the, the material I've been reading, there's about a 75% um, reversal rate just at that first level. 
So even though very few people appeal, because I think most of us just feel overwhelmed by the thought of appealing, if you do appeal, uh, just costs a postage stamp um, and you don't need a lawyer, again, it's just very straightforward, um, you do have a high likelihood of success. And Soy, do you have something to add? Yeah, um, I just wanted to note something that uh, Laura said about how, or not Laura, I'm so sorry, um, Diane said about um, the fact that you know, you need to get that letter from your your doctor to appeal the decision. Um, often we think of health insurance and our healthcare providers as being very separate. Obviously, you want to make sure your insurance covers your doctor, but we kind of think of the relationship as ending after that. Um, but if you have a healthcare provider who is willing to be an advocate for you on your behalf with your health insurance, that is in some ways even more valuable than having the best health insurance plan. Um, so an advice advice I often give is, you know, if you know for sure you're going to have like a big procedure coming up or, you know, I, I you know, give folks who are in the trans community this advice who know that they're going to have to probably fight some battles with their health insurance is um, if you can find healthcare providers who are at who can advocate for you, who have experience working with health insurance um, and you can always ask and they should be able to give you an answer on, you know, their experience doing that and um, their success rates, um, then that is going to be even better than, you know, just trying to find the the best health insurance plan. Um, obviously, if you can have both, that's the best of both worlds. Um, but that is an important piece that we often forget about. And Diane? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, your doctor should be your advocate and, and um, you can help the doctor. Sometimes, um, I know at Medicare Rights Center, we would um, you know, just help the patient write the letter for the doctor, and then the doctor could sign off on it based on everything the doctor had said about the need for the care. But one other point, which um, um, everybody should appreciate, we all have representatives in Congress, and sometimes um, a congressional staffer calling uh, the insurer and saying, you know, my constituent has been told he or she can't get the care um, needed, um, you know, please look into this, that can help with a tremendous amount as well. So use your representatives in Congress. They're there to help. Absolutely. And also, uh, many states have uh, consumer-focused uh, uh, nonprofits. Uh, here in Colorado, there's CCHI, Colorado Consumer Health Initiative, and they have a whole group of staff that help Coloradans that are having issues with health care and health insurance. So look for uh, those local places. And also, uh, where would you find a ship uh, the, the ship in your state, Diane, is it, would you Google ship? Um, you know, it's funny. I, before the show, I actually Googled ship to see what came up and it wasn't so easy to find. Um, uh, the number uh, is 877-839-2675, 877-839-2675. And if you call that number, they can give you the information for your state health insurance program. That's the national number. Um, but you could probably also Google in long form state health insurance assistance program. And as um, we've been discussing, we're going to have um, some material for folks to, 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 to link to. Um, and that information will definitely provide to everybody. Absolutely. So uh, coming soon, act.tv slash care talk. We will have more resources there soon.
So Zoid, when I lost my job during the pandemic, I got added to Medicaid. I now have a new job, but it doesn't include health insurance. What do I need to do and when? All right. So um, because of the pandemic, this is actually somewhat of a complicated question. Um, Due to the public health emergency, um, states are currently not allowed to kick anyone off of Medicaid. They're not doing any sort of redeterminations. So even if your income has changed such that you're not eligible in a normal year for Medicaid anymore, um, you are still going to stay on Medicaid until the public health emergency ends and CMS lets states know that they can start doing those redeterminations. And those um, redeterminations are likely going to take a while since there are currently a lot of folks on their state Medicaid programs. uh, the thing that CMS is calling it is Medicaid unwinding. So if you, if you happen to hear that in policy discussions, this is exactly what it's referring to. Um, and so it's actually very important to continue to keep your information up to date with Medicaid, even though you're not going to get that redetermination, um, you're not going to lose it right now. It's important to keep your income up to date there. Um, as well as your current address and contact information. That way, once these redeterminations do start, you're much more likely to be notified in a timely manner about that happening. And then um, typically you'll you'll get a letter or an email letting you know that you're going to be losing Medicaid and it'll be happening at the end of that month. Usually how most states do it, but every state can do it a little differently. And when and if that happens, you may be eligible for Affordable Care Act plans at that time. And so those are the kind of main things to keep in mind is that for right now, you're on Medicaid, you um, need to continue to keep all of your information as up to date as possible. And um, when and if you do lose that, you should be seeking a navigator, agent or broker, web broker like Health Sherpa to help you look at your other options, um, which will probably include Affordable Care Act plans. And we have no idea when CMS is going to declare the public health emergency over. We we just don't know. Exactly. Yeah, it is entirely dependent on when the pandemic ends, which, you know, is not able to be predicted. Um, but this is something that they are actively working on to be proactive about when this happens, um, because they know that we will not have a date until that date is here. Okay, so if you're on Medicaid for now, you can stay on Medicaid, whatever happens, and we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, we'll go to some viewer questions now. Uh, Amanda McDaniel from Virginia wants to know, how much will it really cost? Insurance is a Rubik's Cube of copays and percentages. No one can figure it out, and you end up paying more for everything than you thought. So uh, Diane, what do you have to say? I have to say that you are so right um, that it's easier to go to a restaurant and and see a menu and know what you're buying and paying for it um, than it is um, to pick a health plan and have a clue. Um, And so the best you can do is know what the deductible is, know what the out-of-pocket cap is, and know that, um, that there is a robust array of doctors and hospitals in the network for you to choose from. Because if you end up being forced out of network, uh, the out-of-pocket cap uh, won't apply. There may be a second out-of-pocket cap uh, in Medicare. There is for out-of-network care um, if you're in a a PPO, a preferred provider organization, but that's $10,000. So you really want to avoid going out of network 
to control your costs. And in order to do so, you want to have a good sense that the doctors in the network of the plan you're choosing um, will meet your needs. And the problem there, just to say it, is that the doctors are always changing. And sometimes the doctors that are in the network are still in the network, but they're not taking new patients. And so even if they're not changing, they're not available to you. And these are all sort of unknowns that unfortunately you have no control over, um, combined with the fact that you don't know what condition you're going to face tomorrow, right? I mean, your health is precious and it changes day to day and and God only knows. So for that reason, um, I always say that that you shouldn't feel frustrated if you think you can't pick the health plan that's right for you, because unless you pick traditional Medicare, if you have Medicare, um, where you have full choice of doctors and hospitals, um, and um, but you can only do that if you can afford the supplemental coverage, um, you really don't know what you're going to get and what you're going to pay. Uh, you only know what the maximum. Okay, and Zoid? Yeah, so um, the good news... Um, around this is that there are some upcoming policy changes that should mitigate some of this uncertainty. Um, one of those is the No Surprises Act, um, which will make it so that you know patients will need to be informed in most instances if they're going to be seeing an out-of-network provider. Like if they go to a um, clinic that is in network with their insurance, but one doctor there is out of network, they will need to be informed that that is the case and be told this is how much they would have to pay if they want to see that doctor so that they can have that choice. Um, and it would also prevent, you know, surprise billing later on, such as if you were in an emergency, you had a surgery, the anesthesiologist who saw you was out of network and you didn't find out until after, you can't be billed for that. So the No, so no Surprises Act is going to help with a lot of cases there, um, as well as the some price transparency regulations that are coming out, hospitals are going to be required to show sort of like a menu um, in an easily accessible way how much their services cost um, patients. Now I say all of this, and obviously this is what's written, and then how it gets implemented and making sure it gets implemented fairly and across the board is kind of another matter. But for both of these, there will be places where you can report like, hey, I got a surprise bill that it sounds like I shouldn't have been receiving, or um, I tried to go to this hospital and they didn't list their prices, or they charged me something different from what their prices were. There will be places where you can report that to help CMS with, um, you know, auditing those hospitals and providers and making sure that these um, rulings actually get implemented. Um, so I believe we can post links um, about what those rulings are, and there will be more information coming up about how you can report um, and look and see how those are being implemented. Um, but they are supposed to be starting next year. So that is some good news in terms of figuring out how much you're actually going to be paying. Yes. And our final question for today from Rebecca Wood in Massachusetts. Uh, she says, choice is a fallacy. My health insurance plan is chosen by its formularies. Will the policy cover until I hit the coverage gap, my most crucial and unaffordable without insurance meds? Usually only one or two will, and I can only afford one of the ones that do. Uh, Diane. Wow. So I think um, we're talking about somebody with Medicare because the Medicare uh, drug benefit Part D um, has this coverage gap. 
um, you can go to the Medicare Part D plan finder um, and put in all the drugs you're taking and learn which plans will cover those drugs at the lowest out-of-pocket cost and at which pharmacies, right? So it's, it's more complicated than you'll pay just this much because in order to do that, you have to use particular pharmacies associated with the plan. And this is true whether you're in traditional Medicare and, and using um, uh, an individual Part D plan or you're in a Medicare Advantage private insurance plan and the Part D plan is connected to it. Um, the rules um, are different in each one. And um, if you follow the rules though, you should be able to keep your costs down. The problem there is that that assumes two things. Number one, that you don't need new drugs because you can't factor those in when you're using the plan finder. And two, that um, the drugs that you are taking um, continue to be covered under the uh, Part D plans uh, formulary because that can change almost at any time as well. And the copay levels can change. So again, it's sort of a nightmarish uh, situation um, because uh, the insurers are sort of holding all the cards um, as to how things will evolve. And you are, of course, unable to predict what your future costs will be. And there's a great article in the New York Times today that I read about uh, why aren't more people comparison shopping uh, for um, Medicare health plans and all the difficulties and possibilities with that. So check out that New York Times article, and we will try to put the link on act.tv slash uh, care talk as soon as possible. And so finally, to wrap up this show, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Build Back Better and what Congress is working on right now. Uh, and so nothing is passed, nothing is final, but the version that is circulating as of a couple days ago includes some key health insurance reforms. It not only uh, takes the uh, parts of uh, the American Rescue Plan that made Affordable Care Act plans cheaper, uh, they are due to expire next year. And it extends that out through 2025. But it also closes the Medicaid coverage gap, which uh, low-income people in the 12 states that didn't expand Medicaid. So we're talking about Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and Texas and other states. Low-income people can't get Affordable Care Act plans uh, because there are no subsidies available, but they, they're also not eligible for Medicaid. So they're trapped in this gap where they need health care and can't possibly afford it. So this fixes that problem by offering uh, those folks in the, in the 12 states uh, $0 Affordable Care Act plans. Uh, and that also would run through 2025. And finally, it will add a new benefit to traditional Medicare uh, to cover hearing coverage. Uh, but the things that are not in the Build Back Better bill as of right now, <laughs> are uh, lowering the cost of prescription drugs and some other things that were talked about, uh, like including vision and dental coverage to traditional Medicare. But all of this is a work in progress. So that's only what's true as of right now, and that could change at any moment. So it's important to contact your senators and your congressperson and make sure that they know that Build Back Better is important to your health and also uh, what you want them to include. 
So tell them, you know, if you want them to vote for it and why and what all is needed to fix our health care in America. So thank you very much for attending our first show. There are a lot of questions we didn't have a chance to get to today. So we will be back a week from today to answer more of your care talk questions. Mm -hmm.